Don't worry, next week we won't have to look each other in the eye. All right? But we can do it today. A couple of things I want to remind you of before we get started today. These are things that are coming up. Don't forget, we have breakfast with the bunny, and we have our regular Easter service coming up. That's the Breakfast with the Bunny is Saturday, April 16th. That starts at 9 o'clock. These are for the kids, all right? Uh, but you can come and eat breakfast, uh, but they're going to hunt for some Easter eggs as well. We don't call it a hunt, though. What do we call it? The reaping, right? Because they're just out there, right? And you got to go get them. Also, we have Student Sunday coming up on April 24th. Our students are going to be uh, leading us in worship. They're going to be teaching. They're going to be preaching. I'm very excited about this. Cody's been working hard on this, and uh, I encourage you to be here for the 24th. I'm excited, excited. Also, that's the first day that we start signing up for camp, different camps around the state, different Christian camps. You'd be here for that. We're going to have a uh, garage sale slash yard sale uh, next month in May. And so if you have things that uh, you'd like to give to the church for this yard sale or this garage sale, whatever you want to call it, uh, make sure you start dropping those things off at the church. Uh, no electronics, no old electronics, okay? They never sell. We throw them away. Uh, that's, that's the way that goes, okay? So just don't bring those, please. Just cut out the middleman. Just take them right to the, uh, the landfill. Please do that. Also, uh, Cody's going to be leaving on, uh, uh, in June for paintball camp. I've uh, been doing this for quite a few years. It's a lot of fun. The kids really enjoy this. Uh, don't forget also about the student mission trip coming up in July. You need to talk to Cody about that and get more information. We've got a lot of stuff going on, man. I mean, there's things just, just going crazy uh, that your kids uh, in middle school and high school get to participate in. And so I encourage you to be a part of that. Let's thank God for our time. Father, we thank you that we get to worship you, that we get to praise you. We thank you, Father, that you love us. We thank you also, Father, that we get a chance today to share in the goodness of Jesus Christ, to share in the fact that he died on the cross for each of us, that he may be glorified in our minds and in our hearts, Father. We thank you that we've been given a chance as friends and family to come together, to sing praises to you, the same God and Father that makes us. Father, we ask today that our eyes will be opened, that we will be challenged, that our heart will be challenged, uh, that we will come to a peace in our life, uh, knowing that you are a part of it and you have a purpose and a mission for every one of us. We thank you so much. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we have uh, something a little extra at the end of this service, and uh, I think it's going to be beneficial for all of us. It's going to be beneficial for the church as well, so I'm very excited about that. Uh, in fact, I told my son, the other day, I said, you know, you guys at school, you have Grandparents Day. Why don't you have Parents Day? Why, why don't we, you know, come in and just hang out? And he said to me, this will give you a little taste of what we're going to do here in a little bit. He said to me, well, we get that chance on Sunday, our parents hanging out with us for a while. So just keep that in the back of your mind just for a little bit, okay? Uh, as we get started today, I want to introduce someone that most of you know. Uh, in fact, just about all of you know man by the name of Russ Varner. Russ, will you come up here, please? Russ is going to share with you a testimony about his faith and his service uh, to you in this body and how the love of Jesus Christ has flown through him and also how it's built him up. Actually, he's not told me any of those things. I'm just assuming these are the things he's going to share, okay? 
So hopefully we're all the same page. Russ, I appreciate you sharing today. Uh, podium's yours. Good morning. So I want to share some things that I've been blessed to be able to do in my service to God. <coughs> my natural abilities are not this, <coughs> so bear with me. My natural abilities are working with my hands and doing construction type work. I lay floor covering for a living and I've done lots of that here in this church and in other ministry work and, and uh, God's blessed me with the ability to do that and I am thankful for that. I've, um, I've led other groups in many community projects while here at the church as well as for members of the church and out in the community for people in need. We've been able to help people. Um, we've done roofs, water heaters, cleaned out basements, picked up sticks out of yards, just all kinds of things. One of the biggest projects we did was for an elderly couple here in town, Larry and Luella Groves, and uh, she was crippled up with arthritis. She couldn't even get out of bed. She was bedfast with arthritis. <clears throat> but she loved God, and they were poor, and their house was a total disaster. I mean, it was terrible. The roof was leaking. There was, was no siding. It was old wood siding, but it was in really bad shape. The windows were bad. It was just terrible. We were able to put a whole new roof on that house, new windows, new siding. It looked like a new house when we got done, and they were so thankful. She, We'd go in and talk with her and pray with her, and she would cry being so thankful that we were helping her. And we were just able to tell them how much God loves them and sees them and, and uh, sent us to meet their need. <clears throat> it's a great feeling to know that you're being the hands and feet of Jesus. And also when you're serving with a group of people like that, you get to know them better. You build relationships with the people you're working with. But the things that I'm most thankful for my service to God or the times that I was outside of my comfort zone, like I am right now, <clears throat> I had to trust God to be able to do what I agreed that I would do. And most of those things I didn't really even want to do. My natural self was saying, no, don't do that. <clears throat> but I said, yeah, I'll give it a try, you know. The first couple of things were really simple probably to most of you, but they weren't to me. <clears throat> The first one I remember was only a couple months after I got saved. It was up in the old building. Our preacher, Everett Easley, had a habit of calling on men of the church to say the closing prayer. Well, I didn't think much about it. I assumed he was calling on leaders and elders and whatever. Until one Sunday he said, Russ, will you do the closing prayer? And I'd never prayed with anybody. I, I, I don't think I'd even prayed with my own kids at that time. And I was scared to death, but I'd never heard anybody else say no. So, <laughs> so I said, sure. <laughs> and they were, they were singing the last song, and while they were singing, I had my head down just praying, oh, God, you're going to have to help me with this because I don't know what to do, you know. I don't know what to say. And <clears throat> at the end of that song, I just felt peace come over me, and I stood up and prayed and pretty much said what I'd heard other guys saying. And when I was done, it I was amazed that I was able to do that. I was felt really good about it. Another time was a few years later, I agreed to go on a mission trip to India, which 
for all the wrong reasons. When another guy talked me into going, I thought it sounded like fun. So I went, and I'd say John and his dad was with us. <clears throat> it was an awesome trip, and we built this church in a little town. And the last day there, the church was pretty well done, and we had a dedication service that night in the church. <clears throat> and there was like 300 Indians packed in this. It was small, a lot smaller than this room. <clears throat> and they were sitting on the floor, like cross-legged, to all squeeze in there, packed in there like sardines. And Rusty Swafford, the missionary, had us Americans sitting up front, and he was going to give a message. And on his way up to give the message, he swung by us and said, oh, by the way, when I get done speaking, I'm going to give you guys a chance to come up and talk a little bit about what this trip has meant to you, being here serving with these guys. And again, I'm like, oh, no, what am I going to say, you know? I'm scared to death. So while he was preaching, I don't think I heard anything he said. I was asking God to help me. And again, I felt, when it was my turn, I felt just this calm come over me. And I got up there and spoke, and I don't know what I said, but it seemed to go pretty good, you know. So again, I was just thankful that God helped me to do that. And then after we got back from that trip, each one of us guys, uh, we had a service, an evening service, and we all shared about our trip, showed pictures, and talked a little bit. And then a couple weeks later, I even went to another church and shared my pictures and talked about the trip. And I'd never done anything like that. <clears throat> a few years later, I was helping Lynn and Julie, our retired pastors, um, to do services out at Logan Acres. And I'd, I'd uh, done a communion meditation, short little communion meditation, and helped serve communion out there a couple times. After one Sunday, Lynn says, why don't you preach next month? He's, this was once a month he did that. He said, why don't you preach next month? And I looked at him like, what? You know. <clears throat> and I said, I'll give it a try. Well, I was scared, and I prepared the best I could and prayed a lot. And my time came, and again, I felt that calm come over me, and I did it, and, and it went pretty well. So every time... God came through for me like that and helped me to do it. And the more you experience God helping you, the easier it is the next time to step out in faith and do things like that. Just like David being willing to fight the giant Goliath. Remember why he had the courage to do that? Because God had helped him before to kill the lion and the bear that was attacking his sheep, right? So I've went on since then to do many things that were not in my comfort zone. And again, I didn't really want to do most of them, but I agreed to do them. And I was incredibly blessed every time. I became a deacon, and not long after I became a deacon, the, we were at a deacon's meeting, and the chairman announced that he was going to step down and needed somebody to take his place. Nobody raised their hand, you know. So I finally said, I'll give it a try. And I was chairman of the deacon like for over 20 years so just a couple years ago Addison agreed to do the same thing for the same reason I started a men's bible study <clears throat> a few years ago and I had another guy John Brown who was a he used to be a pastor and I had him leading it I was just helping him I was like trying to recruit guys to come and <clears throat> but he was leading it well a few months in he decides to he meets this girl and moves to Walpaw. 
So guess who's left leading the Bible study? And I did that for several years, and it was, it was amazing. We had many men in this church went through that Bible study, and it, it went great. And I never felt that I could do something like that. I took communion to our elderly and shut-ins. I was in a rotation to do that and talked and prayed with them. I officiated my uncle's funeral service. My cousin called me and <clears throat> said, Russ, we'd really like you to officiate. He didn't say officiate. He just said, we'd really like you to do my dad's funeral of graveside service. It was over in Bell Center. Name, my cousin was Jamie. and I said, oh, Jamie, I've, I've never done anything like that. I, I don't think I want to do that. He said, well, we'd really like you to do it. Why don't, why don't you think about it and give me a call back? Well, I got off the phone I, for several days and prayed about it and thought about it. And Jamie had never, I mean, he knew I was a Christian, but he'd never been around me enough to know whether I could do that or not, you know. So I felt God must want me to do that. <clears throat> so I called him back and said I'd do it, and I did. Again, I was scared and tr but I trusted God and prayed about it and prepared the best I could, and, and it went great. Uh, I've served God in India, Brazil, New Orleans, Texas. And my favorite thing is teaching third and fourth graders about Jesus in Sunday school right back here in the backyard, which I didn't want to do that either when I first started doing it. I, actually, there was a young lady teaching that class about 25 years ago, and she had a bunch of boys one of them was Tyler Mobley and Cole James. and some. Of the, there was like eight boys in that class that she couldn't get to behave. And she asked, me if, she asked me if I'd come and sit in and help get them boys to behave. And I said, yeah, I can do that. Well, a few weeks later, she asked me if I'd just take the class. <laughs> and I said, well, I'll give it a try. And here, I'm still doing it today. And, and I love teaching those kids. I love, I love your kids. It, it's a wonderful thing. I had uh, a young man that's in, I teach third and fourth grade. I have a, a boy a couple months ago that's in fifth and sixth grade now before class came into my room and said, Russ, I sure miss being in your class. I said, oh, really? Thank you. He said, yeah, <clears throat> in your class, I really started to get it. <clears throat> he said, before that, it was just kind of going over my head. I really thought, well, there's no better feeling than hearing that from a kid, you know. So God has helped me to do many things that I never dreamed I would do when I first became a Christian. I hope it doesn't sound like I'm bragging or tooting my own horn, because I'm not. I would not and could not have done any of those things on my own without the help of God. I'm telling you these things to encourage you that if you're not involved in ministry, to get involved. It's an amazing feeling to know that you're serving God and helping others and that he's helping you to do it. And the only requirements are that you love God, love others, and are willing to do it. I even got to carry Carl Predmore, who was a, I believe he was a quadriplegic. <clears throat> got to pick him up out of his wheelchair and carry him into the baptistry and baptize him into Christ. I'm telling you that God will do incredible things through you if you're just willing to trust him. There's a song by Ray Bolts called Thank You for Giving to the Lord that the first time I heard it made me cry. 
he talks about he had a dream that he went to heaven. And when he got there, there was a line of people greeting him and saying, thank you for giving to the Lord. I'm a life that was changed <clears throat> because of you, you know. <clears throat> and that's an incredible, I don't know if that's really the way it'll be, but that's an incredible thought, you know. Thank you. Heading out to teach. There he goes. Boy, what a braggart, I tell you. I Last year, beginning of last year, we heard about, we talked about the fall of mankind. We saw, we knew that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. That God made mankind, he made you, he made me, and he said, it is good, it is good. Well, what did we go and do? We mess that up, right? We did something, we do things that we're not supposed to do. Things that are against and contrary to the will of God. That's what sin is, to miss the mark. And so we sin. This is the fall of mankind. In order to guide us through life, God gives us the law. The law doesn't save us. doesn't make us good again. But as Paul says, it's a guide to take us through life until one comes along who changes who you are. And so for years and years, mankind, particularly the Jewish people, used the law as a guide. Until Jesus showed up. Jesus changes everything about you if you allow it. The Holy Spirit lives in each person, sanctifying them, allowing them not only to love Jesus fully, but to love each other. That's what the Holy Spirit does. We saw an example of someone whose love was not sincere. That was Saul, right? The fall of Saul. Saul's problem was he cared more about himself than he cared about anybody else. Oh, he'd follow God one day, and then one day he'd follow himself. And then he'd try to fix it and pick up the pieces and move on. But ultimately, it meant death for him. Death at his own hands, or by his own hands. Ends up killing himself. We saw that the only thing that counts is faith. Expressing itself in love. Faith. Faith is obedience to Christ. Can you have faith and not want to do something? Absolutely you can. Faith is obedience to the word of Jesus Christ. And the more we have faith, the more we obey, the more it becomes a part of who we are, the more changed we are, and the more natural it becomes. This is the process of being a new creation. That's what we're called in Galatians, a new creation. You and me are being renewed every day. Renewed every day. Now, I'll grant you, sometimes following Jesus Christ looks a little crazy, doesn't it? You might as well embrace it if you're going to follow Jesus. You, it, it's foolishness to the world, the gospel message. But not to those who are being saved. It's not foolishness. 
it does look a little crazy, certainly when we eat the, eat the body, drink the blood, turn the other cheek. When we respond out of love instead of respond out of vengeance, looks a lot different. People look at you and they'll call you crazy, but that's okay. You can embrace those things. It looks a little weird, but that's Christians, and that's what we do. In fact, Christians do a lot of things. The church does a lot of things. It's not just what we see on Sunday morning. There's a lot like an iceberg that's below the surface. There's a lot in your homes. There's a lot in your schools. There's a lot throughout the week. There's a lot going on today. There's ministry. There's service. There's love. There's forgiveness. There's teaching. There's studying. There's understanding. There's meditating. There's evangelism. There's bringing other people to know who Jesus Christ is. This is not church. This is just something that the church does. To meet together on Sunday morning. And I know we're looking at each other. Don't worry. Next week we'll be able to go, go back doing the same old thing in the same old way. Who wants that anyway, right? We want to embrace what's crazy. We offer ourselves as living sacrifices. That's what the church is, by the way. The church is those who do the will of God. That's the church. If you don't do the will of God, then you have no faith, then you are not the church. But I got tripped up. I read a verse. Let that be a lesson to you. Don't read the Bible. I read a verse. It says, those who put their hand to the plow and look back are not fit to serve. That bothered me. I mean it. I don't want to say it worried me. But it caused me to explore. What exactly is Jesus talking about here? Am I the kind of person? Are you the kind of person that puts their hand to the plow and then looks back, turns around, sees what's behind them to the side, gets distracted? That, that row just as curvy as it could possibly be. Verse Luke 9, Jesus replied, no one who puts their hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service. I want to be fit for service. I want to be fit for service the right way. I want to be fit for service with the right things. I want to be fit for service with the right attitude. I want that to define my life. Because I do want to hear. This is not just a saying. I want to stand in front of Jesus. And I want him to say, well done. Well done, man. Well done. Jesus, I made a lot of mistakes. Did you not see all the times I screwed up? Did you not see all the things I didn't know? All the bad advice I gave? Going to have to give some money back, some of you probably. No, I'm kidding. Did you not hear? Jesus said, you trusted me. You obeyed me when you didn't want to, especially when you didn't want to. Well done. Well done. See, sometimes we have an issue getting involved in service because we think we've let Jesus down. Here's the secret. You were never holding Jesus up. Ever. In this relationship, 
He holds you up. Another thing that we struggle with in our lives is we want God to be God over a part of our life and not the whole thing. That's what it means to love sincerely. God being God over all of our lives, not just part. We want to play God sometimes in parts of our life, don't we? I'll do this. This is me. This is mine. This is my command. And God wants to be God over all of our lives. After all, he does his part. We're blessed with gifts, aren't we? This measure of grace poured out to every person in this room that allows them to serve the people beside them and the people across the room from them. He offers the good life. Jesus at no point offers the easy life. He at no point offers the safe life. Read through scripture yourself. For that matter, he doesn't offer the hard life. He offers the good life. And the good life is giving this creation back to Jesus. And what does Jesus do? He looks at it and he says, it is very good. That's what it means to be the church. That's what it means to give your life to Jesus. So what does it all mean? Hmm? Where do we begin? Because I don't know about you, but, it, but as I was going through this study and listening to some of these things, reading some of these things, listening to me speak, I'm starting to think to myself, I need some closure here. Because I'm on the edge of wondering if I'm fit to serve. With some of these challenges, I'm on the edge of wondering if I know and believe and trust Jesus. What does it look like? What does it look like to live out this thing that we profess? What does it mean to be the hands and feet of Jesus Christ? How do I begin to realize this measure of grace that Jesus has given to me? I find it interesting that if you read through Romans chapter 12, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and Ephesians chapter 4, you see examples of service. But in every single one of those three passages where the Bible specifically talks about areas of service, it's finished up, it's concluded, it's summarized with the very same subject. Practically the very same way if you read through these things. In 1 Corinthians 12, God's talking about areas of service and spiritual gifts. This is where we got a lot of the verses that we've used over the past few weeks. But he then summarizes everything he's talked about with one very important and specific subject. He does the same thing in Romans chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 13. The second part of that verse says this, And yet, I will show you the most excellent way. This gift, that gift, this service, that service, this church, that church. Young, old, black, white, man, woman. He says, I will show you the most excellent the most excellent way to do what? Everything we've talked about up till this point. All these areas of service, wisdom, knowledge, teaching, prophecy, showing mercy, giving, encouragement, administration, shepherding, serving, and on and on and on. I will show you the most excellent way, says Paul. And this is also this, this summary of putting your hand to the plow and not looking back. What is the most excellent way to put my hand to the plow and make sure I don't look back? so that I'm fit for service. In 1 Corinthians 13, we see this. This is immediately following what Paul says. If I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, speaking in tongues, interesting. 
but do not have love, I'm only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I speak in tongues, the miraculous gift of tongues, but don't love, it's just making noise. Just making noise. Taking up space, making noise. If I had the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, well, that sounds like a spiritual gift, doesn't it? Sounds like a couple of them there. If I have faith that can move mountains, if I have faith that can tell this mountain to go from here to there, but I do not have love, what does Paul say? I'm nothing. Nothing. God doesn't care what you do or what you think you can do. He cares about whether or not you love him and love the person across the room from you. And he takes care of the rest. People always talk about going and searching for their gift. Stop searching for your gift. Start searching out the ways in which you can express the love of Jesus to other people. That's how you find this gift of service in your life. And if you're able to do that, to show love to people around you, then you're able to put your hand to the plow and not look back. Again, this passage sounds an awful lot like the gifts that we've read about. God says, if we don't have love, who cares? You know, you may be familiar with the saying, God does not call the equipped, he equips the called. That's another way of saying exactly what he's saying here in this passage, exactly what he's saying in these verses. Bottom line is this, if you're waiting to serve Christ's kingdom until you find your special gift, you will never find it. You will never find it. Serve Christ's kingdom is to show the same love that Jesus shows you to other people. Notice, remember the, the, the story of the master giving the talents or giving the gifts and then going on a journey, right? You remember who he gives the gifts to? Remember who he gives the talents to? A measure of 10, a measure of ten, or 5, a measure of 2. He gives them to his servants. He doesn't give them to those who are waiting to serve. He gives them to the servants and says, invest this, this opportunity, this chance to love, this way to serve, this expression of Christ to the person across the room. And then when he returns and sees that it's been invested, what does he say? Well done, good and faithful servant. That's where that line comes from. In all of scripture, that's where that line comes from. And that's what we think is the end goal, isn't it? To hear those words, well done, good and faithful servant. In that story, that's where that line comes from. To invest what you've been given. Okay, look at the people across the room. Don't look at me. Look at the people across the room. Heaven forbid you should lock eyes with somebody, right? People across the room, look at somebody you, just pick one. Look at somebody you barely know. Look at somebody whose personality is flat out not your personality. (laughs) Look at somebody who at one point rubbed you the wrong way. (laughs) We've rubbed. We've rubbed. (laughs) 
Look at somebody across the room. Don't take your eyes off of them. Don't look at me. Look at somebody else. Paul goes on to say, love is patient with that person. At some point, that person is going to screw up. At some point, that person is going to make you mad. Look at them. At some point, that person is going to fall down. You're here to pick them up. That's what love is. That's what service is. Who are you looking at? Hmm? You know them? You care about them? It's your brother. It's your sister. Who are you looking at? Love is kind. Be kind to that person. Love doesn't envy. In fact, just the opposite. It celebrates with the blessings and joys in that person's life. Celebrate with them. Love doesn't boast as if we have something to boast about. Love's not full of pride. You want to beat your chest? Hmm? That's not how you show love to that person across the room. Love does not dishonor others. You know, my dad told me something when I first started preaching. Look at them. Don't look at me. He said, no matter who you come in contact with, every person is worthy of your respect. Love does not dishonor each other. Keep looking. Love's not easily angered. And maybe that person you're looking at has wronged you. Love keeps no record of wrong. Jesus doesn't even keep any record of your wrong. Pretty fascinating, isn't it? I promise you, there's a lot of people in this church who've done a lot of wrong things. Love doesn't delight in evil, but it rejoices with telling that person the truth. You know what else love does? Look across the room. Love always protects. That's your brother. That's your sister. Love always protects. It always trusts. It always hopes. It always perseveres. That's your church. I promise you, love never fails. A lover will outserve a server any day of the week. This is your family. These are the people you serve. These are the people you love. We are the body of Christ. And now we get the chance to participate in the body of Christ. Why is this so important? Hmm? Why is it so important to partake in what we call communion? It's a proclamation proclaiming that Jesus is Lord. I get it. But it's also a reminder. It's a reminder of who Jesus is, of what Jesus is in your life and what he has done for you. 
Look, we've been talking a lot over the past few weeks about the work of the Lord. That's great. But while you're doing that, don't forget the Lord of the work. You know, this was the problem in the Ephesian church. We're going through a Bible study on Wednesday evening. Every Wednesday evening, evening from 6 to 7.30. Come be there. We're going through the revelation of Christ. And one of the problems in the Ephesian church is they, they began forgetting the Lord of the work. In fact, he writes, Jesus writes to them, and you'll notice here in a moment that I'm paraphrasing. He says, look, I like your work. I like your service. He says, I like your worship and your songs. I like your programs. I like your ministries. I like your teaching. I like your outreach. I like your food pantry. I like your missions. This is what he's writing to the Ephesian church. I like your online service. I like your camps. I like your student trips. I like your Bible studies. I like your dinners and your fellowship. I like you tending to the things that you've been given. I like your special functions and your generosity. I love your sacrifice. And I like the enjoyment that you have. You're doing good work, he writes to the Ephesian church. But this I have against you. You have forgotten why. In fact, he doesn't just leave it there. He says, if you don't remember why you're doing these things, I will come and remove your lampstand from this place. I'll get rid of the church, he says. We talk a lot about the good things that we do. And that's been our emphasis in service. But through all of that, don't forget this. Don't forget the reason we do it. For God loved you so much that he gave his one and only son. That if you believe in him, you won't perish, but you'll have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. That's what, that's what we think sometimes, isn't it? He didn't send Jesus into the world to condemn the world. He sent Jesus to save every person in this room through Christ. If you believe in Jesus, if you've given your life to Jesus, I encourage you to participate in this celebration right here with remembrance. Look at these guys up here. Most of them are good-looking guys. I encourage you to participate and remember, not just the work of the Lord, but the Lord of the work. And I have something else special for you. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We love you for who you are. We love the sacrifice that you made as you gave your son. Father, we want to be able to show that same love to the people around us. We want to put our hand to the plow and not look back. We want to see that same sacrifice in our own lives. We want to see that same love in this church. And the only way we're going to do that, Father, is if we remember the one who invented it. So right here, right now, today, we ask that every person, you work on their minds, you work on their hearts to remember the one who invented love. In Jesus' name, amen.
When I looked up there and I saw you guys standing there, lined up, prepared to serve the body of Christ, that was really cool. That was just a cool-looking scene. All right, now we get some exciting things. Cody, would you stand up? Jim, would you stand up? Um, Where's Cliff? Is Cliff in here? What's that? Mixed service? Okay. Um, All right. Um, Here's what we're going to do. I'm going to do... we're going to take this group right here. Jim's going to take this group. And you guys are going to go into the backyard. Okay? You're going to have a time of praying over that, uh, that group back there of kids. Go ahead. You can, you can follow them out there. Again, if you're able, this group over here is going to go with Cody. You're going to go in the student room. You're going to talk about that ministry and the importance of encouragement with those kids. You will be dismissed from your respective areas. We won't come back in here. This group over here, I'm going to pick the smallest group for the hallway. So this group over here is going to go back into the foyer. You're going to go with Luke. You're going to talk about encouragement, service, and teaching, evangelism, all these wonderful things. You're going to pray over this church and those areas of service. It's the smallest group, but that's why we're saving this one for the hallway because it's the smallest area to fit into, right? But know this, it's, it's no less important than anything else we've talked about. Now, sometimes we relegate this type of thing to babysitting, you know, or there's no way I can encourage uh, when it comes to an infant, a child, you know, but it's just as important. Let's go ahead and let's pray over these folks.